Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 83 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode features Thomas Nilsson. He's a cinematographer who recently released a film called Muck, which premiered at a Halloween-themed film festival in Bellingham, Washington. I talk with Thomas on the process of filming movies from documentaries to horror. Thomas's passion for capturing a moment on film is infectious. I love meeting people who are in the midst of pursuing a passion and honing their skills. Without any further ado, here's Thomas and Nielsen. Well, I don't know, but the story goes. If you never slow down and you never go, well, there's a great big world just waiting to be whole, but you're still lying around. And the days fly by like a cloudy sky And you're glued to the TV, never blinking an eye And the world will keep changing time, passing me by But you're just waiting to die, so Won't you come outside? This beautiful world I haven't been in Cedarville in a long time. Really? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting coming down and walking through. Or not walking through, but just driving through downtown. When you, uh, it's I have a similar experience when I go back to Idaho because there's so much development. I mean, these places right. are like, what? This is an agricultural area, right? Yeah, yeah. And seeing them develop, you know, bringing industry in, uh, even though there's not too much industry here, there's a lot does change. Um, when you got out of school, did you go straight down to Seattle? Uh, no, I actually went up to Bellingham. Oh, really? Yeah, I went to community college up in Bellingham for a few years. And uh, then once I graduated there, I got an internship down in Seattle for Run Studios. That's tight. What did you go to school for? Um, nothing. I just went and got my AA. Oh, wow. And did you – so just a little bit of a background. Yeah. Um, what, what do you do for work now? So I'm a full-time uh, producer, So um, I like video producer. Mm-hmm. So I produce, edit, and direct video at Microsoft. Is that something that you always knew that you had an interest in? Or when was the like the moment that you – that I knew that I wanted to go into that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's actually like as I was like hitting the tail end of college that I realized that I wanted to do video like as a profession. Um, and I've always like grown up loving film and like I've liked videos and I've always played with like camcorders and you know I've just always been into video. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I was like just about to graduate, still scratching my head figuring out what the hell I was gonna do, uh, that I figured I would go and do video as a career. Is there any uh, consideration for like money? Because I know when I would consider to be a writer when I was younger, people would always tell me, you know, good luck because they they scrape by or they do really well. And at the time I thought, oh, I don't want to be poor, so I'm going to go do computer sciences because they make money. But I didn't realize at the time it's just like you better be hungry and you better really want this because if you do... Yeah, it's the whole starving artist thing, man. And that's the thing with like all the arts. Like if you do video, like dance, music, whatever. Like yeah, it's it does. It might not pay as well as going into like business or law or being a doctor, right? But um, yeah, if you are hungry and you have the appetite and you can freelance and you can find jobs and you're always looking for new stuff, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you might not be driving a Lamborghini, but you know. And there's a thing that like as you uh, you go along with experiences, you know, I, I guess growing up, um, trying out different things that your values start to, you know, kind of change. And for me, for instance, I've always I'd work in like the restaurant industry, hospital industry, minting industry, even auto glass. Um, and I always felt lazy because it's like, you know, I'd always watch the clock. 
I'd do the least amount that I could. Mm-hmm. And all these people around me would be busting ass, right? And they're, like, doing it for five, ten years. I'm like, w- when is this going to end? Yeah. And when it comes down to, like, podcasting or, you know, writing, drawing, for instance, I'd whittle away hours and no one was paying me. No one was probably even going to see it. And, and that's that thing where, like, that Lamborghini, to me anyways – um, it's not really that worth it, you know, if, if I have to compromise on all these other things. Yeah, dude, I, exactly. You know, um, yeah. And that's the, that's the thing. I, I mean, I, I went through the same thing. Like I worked those dead end jobs. Like I did the customer service stuff and it was just like, fuck man, when is this going to end? But yeah, no, if it's worth it and like you end up doing what you love, like doing the podcast or like doing film and like and being able to get like paid to do it is just like such a nice fucking feeling, even though it might not be as much as you could earn doing something else. Like it's always, it's a great thing. And, uh, being an intern, was that like a paid internship? What'd it that was. Look like? I, so I got like $10 an hour. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was definitely underpaid for what I was doing, but I mean, I can't complain. Fuck. I yeah. got a great intern gig right out of college. Um, so yeah, I just got like 10 bucks an hour doing whatever needed to be done on set. So I, I was a PA or production assistant. Um, and so that would be like grabbing coffee for the director, like grabbing lenses, changing out batteries, getting the media in and out of the cameras and onto the computers or like just doing whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And like packing up the van full of all the tripods and just all that shit. So like anything that needed to be done that wasn't being done is what I would do. Mm. And, um, yeah, I went, I, the internship went well and, um, they offered me another three month internship after that, and so like, hey, we'll give you another another one because you're doing really well, and kept doing the same stuff. So I ended up interning for a total six months, and then after that, I got hired on full time. And were you a production assistant when they hired you on full time, or did it change? No, so um, so yeah, it, it did change. So I got an official title of junior production generalist, I think mm. is what it was, and so like I was able to like run shoots by myself. And I could, like, I was interacting with clients and delivering videos, like, on my own. They, like, I would edit the stuff, send it off to the clients, fill out all the paperwork, all the boring stuff. And, mm-hmm. like, so I was d- producing videos essentially by myself. Mm, wow. But, like, with being, like, checked by, like... Supervised. Supervised, right. Mm-hmm. So, like, at the end, we were, like, I'd be done with everything. And they'd watch the video. It would be their first time. And it was, like, just before I sent it off to the client. And I'd get some critiques here, like, oh, maybe you could have lit this a little better. Like, oh, maybe that cut wasn't so great. Or maybe you should use this camera for when they're talking about whatever. How'd you handle criticism at the time? I handled it really well. I mean, I've always really liked getting uh, constructive criticism. I've always, um, you know, I always look for it. Uh, I've got it, like, I took a lot of art classes in high school, so I feel like that helped me a lot. (laughs) So I was able to be in a lot of, like, class critiques. Um, Like, yeah, I definitely, I I think I handle it really well. but I mean, anyone out there can correct me if they don't think I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, just looking back on it, what were some common mistakes that you had uh, getting into the uh, industry? Um. Well, I think like the biggest thing was just like thinking that I knew things that I didn't actually know. Mm-hmm. So like I went in thinking that like I had it all figured out. Like I knew, I knew everything that there was to know about video production because how complicated is it? You <laughs> turn on a camera, you record it, you make sure there's sound, and that's it. But Hell no, there's there's a lot more, <laughs> a lot more to know. That's the exciting thing about almost everything. I've uh, learned with like jujitsu and riding, right? Is yeah. on the surface, even like lifting shit. Uh, where I'd be interviewing like the strong men, and they lift these uh, like these boulders or whatever over their head, and I'm like, oh, that's easy. Fuck, you just lift it over there. But like the they spend years doing it, and they every step along the way, there was like more and more 
I would say complexity, but in reality, they're like simplifying their understanding of it. They're breaking down the nuances, mm-hmm. and, and it's like really to just this basic movement of putting something on your shoulder and dropping it. And yeah. I see that in almost everything, and that that's like the fun because I'd play video games. Uh, not not that video games are bad, but like I mean, if that that, that was all I did, mm-hmm. and I you when you beat a game, it's like I get the DLC or I go pick up a new game. Like the nuance of right. it was very small. Um, and with these things, that's what's exciting because like you, you never stop, you know, being challenged. Yeah, you never stop learning. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, yeah, man. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, and that's always really interesting when you find when you get into something new like that and realize that there's way, way, way more than what you originally thought. And I always think that's exciting when you get mm-hmm. into that. And what's the um, if you were to distill it, like what's what's the joy that you get out of um, doing cinematography or film production? Yeah, well, shit. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I would just say like being able to see uh, something that I made and kind of akin it to something that I know that I like to see when I watch a video or watch a film. Like, cause I know when I watch movies, like when I go to the theater or when I watch a really cool video online and I just think to myself like, fuck, that was really cool. Like <laughs> that was awesome. How did they do that? And like when I, when I think that when I watch something else, I am always trying to get that feeling. I want someone else to think that when they see my stuff mm-hmm. or like I want my, I want to be satisfied and feel that when I'm watching my own stuff. And so that's a really hard, like, I, that's, I think it's a high bar to set, mm-hmm. but it's, if you're not going to set a high bar, why do it? And I don't know, man. I just think that getting that kind of result out of your work is really important. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I, I'd agree in the sense that the things that I'm even doing, just pursuing, um, I wouldn't say mastery. I just say proficiency, right? right. And getting better, at, you know, every, every time. And when I see these people who, are exceeding my expectations for my own self. Like it thoroughly impressed me um, in, the, in their talents and their perspectives. It it enriches my own life because like it's like my my vision you know increases and that that's exciting. Mm-hmm. It's almost like there's new games to play or new ways to play the same game. You know. Yeah, definitely. And, um, when you were doing the internship, what were your hours like? So I was doing like nine to five Monday through Friday. Oh, so there was really it was pretty consistent. Yeah, yeah, it was super consistent. Um, yeah, it was about like forty forty five hours a week roughly because like some days you'd need to stay just a little bit longer to help set up, or some days you just like leave at, uh like what like two p.m. on a Friday because there wasn't anything else that needed to be done. Mm. Do but you, it was pretty standard nine to five. Do you still retain a pretty good work life balance? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah, because my my hours are still the same. They're still nine to five. Um. Yeah, I try and fill up my weekends and um, full of come back and see my friends because a lot of my friends are still up in Bellingham, so mm-hmm. I try and come back and see them as much as I can. And um, yeah, I mean, I think I I feel like I keep a good balance, which is not an easy thing for someone who works <laughs> at Microsoft to be able to say. I feel like. Uh, why is that? Well, I see a lot of people that just get so swallowed up in just the fact that they're at Microsoft and like they're on the cutting edge of whatever is happening. And, but these aren't people that I work with. These are people, these are my clients at work. Right. So these are Microsoft employees I'm talking about. And these people live and breathe work. And so like these people are high maintenance. Like these people, like I would not want to go get a beer with them. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I see a lot of that in the culture of where I work, but not on my team, thankfully. Mm -hmm. That that and that frightens me in the sense that like I was getting in computer sciences mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna generalize but 
I, I met a lot of people who are kind of like that, where it's like eight to twelve hours, just yeah, a day, crazy, and, and then more. And I didn't know if it was computer sciences or if it was just a perspective that these people had, because I met chefs who were like that, working uh, eight to twelve hours a day, right? More on the twelve-hour side, maybe five, six days a week, specifically on holidays, and just grinding, and their bodies like falling apart because they've dedicated a lot of their time to doing this thing without any consideration of, you know, taking care of themselves. Uh, and that's a big generalization, right? However, I would meet a lot of people who, who were, you know, like that. I even meet uh, people who work at Denny's, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. In a very similar scenario, like a server who's always just been grinding away. And I can't figure out, like, what the differentiation between that is because I'm always, I'm constantly afraid of being there. Like, I, I get the, the pull sometimes to where... Mm-hmm. I'm trying really hard to do these things, and I could have gone, I could have stayed at that job where I was making like $23 an hour, um, and Monday through Friday, eight-hour days, and then, you know, like my other, like my friends at that job, pulling on that extra day to get that overtime and, you know, just chasing that, mm-hmm. but I know that if I do that, I'll be like my mom or, you know, some other people around me to where all that they have to really show for it is, is uh, some like surface-level experiences, and I... I can't, I'm having trouble hashing that out. Yeah, man. That's a, that's a tough, tough thing that a lot of people have to deal with. Yeah. It's, that's the, the dead end job. Kind of what you're talking Mm -hmm. about. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, yeah, that's some hard shit to deal with. Like, um, I mean, yeah, it's not easy. Not everyone can get into something where like it's where, cause like it's a different, it's the difference between like having a job and then having a career. Mm -hmm. Right. Because like. Having the job, you just show up. You might not give a shit about, like, the manager, like, what company you really work for. You don't really give a shit. You're just kind of there to do your thing, and you're going to clock in, you're going to clock out, and when you're not at work, you don't, you're not going to care, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of people have to deal with, and, like, that's their every day. Is there areas within the, um, the like, the film industry mm-hmm. where you could feel that pull um, for example, as a writer, right, I can go and write, some people would disagree with me, but I can go and write, uh, you know, novels. Right. And then I can go and write technical manuals. Exactly. Yeah, well, th- yeah, those do take different different types of skills totally, I think. Um, but, yeah, it's like, it's, it's do you want to chase what you want to do mm-hmm. versus, like, do you want to just get money right mm-hmm. and so that that's where i think like it just comes into your values man it's like where if if money's that important to you and like or you really need it that bad then that's what you're going to be doing mm-hmm. but if you are not set that way like if you don't really care about the money like so much and like you rather spend your time doing what you like then i think you'll end up doing that mm-hmm. that's just like I, I think that's kind of just a thing that shows itself after a few years you'll just kind of like look like you can self-evaluate and just kind of be like okay yeah this is where I am because this is what I want. And but then all again, then again, people can be stuck in jobs that they absolutely hate and they rather do something else. But just the situation is so shitty they can't do anything about it. Yeah, you just feel pretty much trapped. Exactly. Yeah. And I guess that, that it makes sense in the in the uh, way even thinking about like materialism because I've recently met people like in jujitsu mm-hmm. where they're training to be like the top ten competitor in the world. Yeah. And. I've been training jiu-jitsu for a couple of years, and I my my desire is is to have a high level of proficiency, mm-hmm. and to be able to train with people that I consider um, who are really good, if not the best. Um, but like that's all they do. They get up and they do jiu-jitsu and they go to sleep. Yeah. And like the idea of travel, right? 
is not very interesting to them. And for me, I'm obsessive about that. And I thought that everyone was like that. I genuinely did. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if you don't like to travel, you just haven't tried it yet. You, right. just, you just get out there and you'll be surprised. Like, there's all this adventure out there. And then I met, like, a couple of these individuals and it was just, yeah, jujitsu and sleep. And then they'd have the opportunity to travel and they're just like, oh, I can't wait to get home so I can just train at my gym. Yeah, man, some people are like that. Oh, and that's where I realized that some people are probably like that with materialism, right? Like mm-hmm. the the things that you have, or even maybe maybe even having like a family, right? Mm-hmm. And having somewhere just consistently to go to and then come home to, mm-hmm. and come home, uh, and not have anything too challenging, just just you know that. Maybe that's something else uh, that. And who am I to say like, nah? You just have an experience like the the thrill of pursuit, the pursuit of mastery at something. Or the adventure that comes from, you know, traveling or uh, plunging headfirst into this, like, uh, a discipline, right? Mm-hmm. But who am I to say that? Because maybe I'm just the kind of person where, like, I'm not fit for that. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. And it and it kind of goes both ways, too, where it's like, if you do over-specialize in something and become, like, a master at something and, like, one of the best in the world, mm-hmm. like, if you're dedicating that much time at something you're not going to have much else in your life, right? Mm, yeah. Like, these jiu-jitsu masters, like, that's probably, like, that's, like, that's all they got, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they wake up, they do jiu-jitsu, they go to sleep, they wake up. Like, it's it's just that. And, like, sure, you'll be really, really good at that, but then, like, you kind of sacrifice everything else, right? Mm-hmm. You sacrifice, mm-hmm. like, family travel, whatever else. But, like, that's up to, you know, it, and if they like that and that's the way that they want to live, then that's, that's fine, that's great. But then, like, also some people don't feel that strongly about anything, right? Yeah. So they'll fill their life full of tons of shit that they care about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's all, you know, people are all, any, everyone on that spectrum. As, as, as you have been pursuing film, mm-hmm. uh, where does that lie for you? Um, that's really interesting. Well, it, I think it, I'll be able to give a better answer on that when I'm much older. But for now, because I don't know how intensely I'll get thrown into the into the field. But, like, uh, for me now, I feel like it's, like, half and half. So, like, half of all my time I spend, I spend doing video stuff. Like, I'll be editing videos on the side. Like, I'll be making videos for fun, like, passion projects or, like, short films. And then, not to, like, mention my waking hours at work. Mm-hmm. Like, actually do, still doing film, but, like, getting paid to do it. And then the other 50% of my time is, like, with my friends and my family and, like, doing bullshit. Yeah. You know? Um, but maybe if like I end up, uh, being able to become like a really successful cinematographer or director, um, and I'm able to get on like really big, like, uh, important projects, then I might dedicate more time into that because I've got such a passion for it. So maybe everything else might fall by the wayside a little bit more. Who's to say now? That almost seems like a running theme, right? Where, where you're kind of like feeling it out Mm -hmm. and not dead set on, on like where you're going you know, at least five years down the road. And I, and I like that because life really changes a lot. And also your values, like I've found that as I've been pursuing things, I like I've gotten into jujitsu. Uh, I never thought that I, I've never did really much sports um, in my youth except like BMX. Yeah. But then I stopped doing that for a while. I just eat a bunch of food, do a lot of drugs and play video games. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I got into that. And I'm like, oh, I like martial arts. I got into ultra running, rock climbing, and then, you know, writing, drawing. Yeah, hell yeah, man. And, yeah, and like doing all these things. Um, and I'm learning a lot about myself. But to be honest, like, I'm kind of in that similar spot to where uh, I, I'm doing these things and I'm trying to feel the pull and then narrowing it down 
you know, yeah. as I come along or hold, you know, hold them all together equally. Yeah. I mean, you can. And like, yeah, that's, yeah, no, yeah. That's a really, int- very interesting thing. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's fun when you're able to find stuff like that and like really kind of hold it on this pedestal for yourself and mm-hmm. like, like, yeah, you know, I want this to be part of my life forever. You know, like this isn't going anywhere cause I got to hold on to it. And it's, it's definitely exciting. Oh yeah. And, and you learn a lot from it too, you know, mm-hmm. like if it's something you're really passionate about and you'd spend a lot of time on it and you're going to get good at it and it's going to teach you a lot about yourself. Yeah. And it also lasts a lifetime in a sense cause oh, it's yeah. that experience, you, do it anyway. you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, um, for, for film, right. What direction do you see yourself taking with film? Like what, what are the opportunities for someone who's interested in film? Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned with like the technical writer, like nonfiction author. Right. Um, and then where do you, where do I want to be? Where are you leaning towards? Yeah. yeah with your style? So there's kind of like, there's two directions that like are kind of lied out ahead of me now. And like for most people that want to get into film work, right. Is either you do corporate video or you do narrative stuff. And narrative stuff is like what you'd know is like short films or like Hollywood, like if you watch a video that's got like a story, like it's, you know, it's a, it's creative piece. That's like 50% or maybe not 50% of the actual field. It's definitely way less, but that's one direction you can go or you can go corporate video, which is really boring kind of case study stuff, just boring case study stuff where it's like you're filming a video about XYZ in like corporation that just released product X and you just got to make a video for their stakeholders to watch and, maybe only a thousand people will ever see it. And that's just the way it goes. And I definitely see myself wanting to go more narrative and be in the creative film world rather than corporate. But corporate's a great spot to start because you learn a lot of the technical skills that you can then carry over into narrative. Mm -hmm. So like I'm learning all the camera science and everything now. And then the rough, my rough plan for life is like once I get a really good foundation and I understand what it takes like what a good production takes, I can then take all that knowledge and then turn it, translate that into producing short films or feature films. Hmm. So that's kind of my general plan. And outside of schooling, um, the ideal way, in in your opinion, um, to get experiences through these hands-on experiences. Yeah, right? it's got to be hands-on. I think you know, like if you, yeah, if you want to like get good at anything. Um, you just got to do it, man. Mm-hmm. Like with jujitsu martial arts, you can't always just like sit in your room and just like watch videos of people yeah. like rolling and just be like, man, yeah, that's super cool. I want to do it. But like never, I'm never going to go outside or go to a gym and do it. And mm-hmm. like, you've got to go and do it, man. Yeah. And to do it at any professional level, like yeah. anything that would get, even if like, you know, personal training or, or, you know, doing like corporate gigs, stuff like that mm-hmm. in your circumstance, like then you're able to maximize the amount of hours spend doing that thing. Exactly. And yeah. That's what I argue with, like, uh, when we're talking about, like, dead-end jobs, right, is, like, where value and meaning comes from. Because it's now, it's instead of, like, I just get a job to pay the bills or that mm-hmm. it'll just fit these hours. However, that's something to fit the hours, right? So yeah. you could do your thing on the side, but... Which a lot of people do. Exactly. Or you yeah. get a job that's, like, okay, what can what can give me the skills? Like, that that's something. Yeah, and I, I just think I'm super fortunate to be able to make money doing... Like, I'm making money while I learn, mm-hmm. right? So, like, if, let's say, like, I was... a I worked at a cashier at like a supermarket. All my hours that I weren't wouldn't spend at the supermarket, I would be spending um, learning film stuff. So mm-hmm. like I would spend my paychecks on rent and cameras, mm-hmm. and like I would just be shooting whenever I'm not on the clock, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm fortunate enough to where I get to learn as I get paid, so it's a little easier for me. From the people that you've met in the industry, what's a common approach for someone who is into film to get in? Is it internships and 
Um, you know, that's a really tricky question because that's, that's like the question that most people come into film asking is how do I get in? What, what do I do first? Um, like, yeah, we're, we're, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause there's so many different things like, what do I do? And th- my advice would to just be just pick up a camera and just start shooting shit. Mm-hmm. Just whatever it is. If it's like you and your friends, like skateboarding or like writing BMX, which is like what I did at the very beginning. It was just like film that edit together a little thing, put some music on it and like throw it on a YouTube channel and just like, if if you can't get into like an internship or something, just do that, and just watch tutorials, learn as much as you can about filming and editing and or whatever you want to do. Or if it's writing, then like take workshop, like get into workshops, and just practice writing shit and just write and send it off to people, have them look at it, and just get responses. And like and before you know it, if you build up a portfolio, someone will notice, and you can send it off to people. F- you know, and that's, I think that's the best way to get into it. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I got into it. Like the 10,000 hours approach, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, build up a portfolio and mm-hmm. something will happen with it. How far can, um, your actual raw skill take you? Like there's something to be said with yeah. the com- when you're doing computer programming, like, uh, you can get a degree, which is, which is great. Right. And it's definitely worth it. Um, but you could also get really good at it. And if you could prove to companies like even like a Microsoft that you're really good at it by showing them like your personal projects, you you pretty much get a job. Yeah. And that's exactly right too. And like, and that brings up a good point. Like sure. You might like the thing that you're doing, but are you good at it? Mm -hmm. Right. Because like there's definitely people in the film industry that are not good (laughs) at what they do. Right. Like you like the easiest thing to pick at is like, uh, let's like like a Hollywood like a rom com Hollywood movie whatever like people are always like oh you know it's not deep at all blah 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 like tire right yeah it's just like sure or like a, like movies that don't like get aren't critically acclaimed mm-hmm. they get like poor scores on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that it's like sure maybe the writer wasn't the best in the world and like the director wasn't great and like that that's definitely a component like if you're not good you're it's going to be harder for you to make it farther mm-hmm. in whatever field you're in. But if you do have, like, that natural talent, like, if you do have that special thing about you, then that can help carry you farther on as far as, like, raw talent. As you're, as you've met people within, like, the industry and you've uh, done self-reflection, uh, what would you use to gauge that? Cause I, I come into this issue a lot where I would see someone who's been, I, I'll go back to it again, but, like, uh, training jujitsu, mm-hmm. um, even I know a few writers, um, Actually, okay, I know a writer, right? She writes vampire books. Right. I love her to death. I ain't, I'm not trying to bag on her. But she like trying to sell her vampire books over at the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. And she's been a writer for a really long time. She's probably sold like 100 books. And I'm like, I don't, I'm afraid. Because yeah. you know, I try to do this thing. And what if it's always just that like side project? And I, I'm trying to figure out how other people you know, gauge that. Cause yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's interesting. I think it's like it's different for everything. So like... Let's take her for example. So mm-hmm. like I don't know I don't know anything about her, but like she's been writing vampire books for like how long? Uh, like ten years. Like or ten so. years, and like if you're only selling like a hundred books, you're you're either you're either two things. So you're either a really 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 bad writer, and no one wants to read any of your stuff, or you just aren't putting yourself out there the right way mm-hmm. so that people see you. And that comes down to that reflection and how far how much you're willing to. I'd say hustle, but I don't mean right. literally just trying to hawk books, but like. How honest are you with mm-hmm. your stuff? How much how much you're willing to do the things that are either uncomfortable or uh, reflect 
I suppose. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, um, you've got to put in the extra hours, and not just to write the book, mm -hmm. but you've got to put in extra hours to figure out how other people are going to see it and how they're going to buy it. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's a that's like the whole other side of the conversation there too, right? Doesn't it go back into that uh, understanding exactly, like, you know, what you want to do and what does compel you? Because I yeah. mean, you could be interested in something, but like. I, I would believe if, if you have, like, a, a slight interest in it, right, you're not literally obsessed. Mm -hmm. Maybe you haven't explored, you know, other kinds of things to do in life, and you're just, like, holding on, you know, like, four fingers with this thing. Yeah. Whereas, like, if you were to explore further in other fields, you'd be like, oh, I actually really like biology. I never, I, and you would do things Yeah, I never that realized. Are, yeah. Yeah, no, dude, definitely, yeah. And if you can find that with shit, that's super fun. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's always cool to, like, like oh, yeah, I always kind of thought I liked, you know, whatever. But now that I found out that this is a part of it, too, holy shit, this is awesome. Like, how can I learn more, you know? That's mm -hmm. always really cool. And, yeah, that's, I think, definitely a part of it, you know? It's, yeah. Because I've even had, like, a hierarchy with, with things that I've been finding out. Like, I've... Um, I really enjoy running. I can't run on the road. Uh, if I run on the road it's like it's a chore right yeah. i'm beginning to like it more but um i also like ultra running what's ultra running ultra running is where you do like uh 30 to 50 100 mile 200 mile uh runs continually oh wow and yeah with the 200 mile runs you'll take like a 10 10 minutes an hour uh like naps throughout mm -hmm. um but it's just a straight effort all the way through Wow. And yeah, it's fun. You get really high at like, yeah. you know, like mile 30 and then you like you start hallucinating when it comes down to the night and, and it's it's a lot of fun and I'm not the kind of person where like, yeah, I want to, you know, go out there and uh, push myself as hard as I can, but I become that over time. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I love ultra running and I'm getting into it more. But I've also been getting into rock climbing. Uh, and if I were to put a hierarchy up there, I could rock climb more often than I could run. Yeah. And so if I were to go into a crossroads professionally, not that I'm going to do any of them professionally, it's more like uh, I'm doing them as an experience. So I love them, but these are experiences that I would like to use for a uh, story, whether it's nonfiction or fiction um, or using it for comedy, right? Right. And I think those are wonderful adventures to – that's why I've read like nonfiction or fiction books like fantasy, yeah, because it reminds me of a fantasy adventure where I play RPG games all the time. Oh yeah, it's just like like that experience, and hunting's a similar thing for me as well. But like, I love rock climbing, and uh, if I were to put, if I were to try to be the top ten ultra runner in the world, like I love ultra running, but there's a nuance to it because if I were to be the top ten ultra runner in the world, mm -hmm. I couldn't put in as much effort as the other people were to be the best to break records right. because Cause my, they're already there and they're already, and they're still training. Yeah. And they're, my heart's not in it. Like it's in it with theirs. And mm -hmm. I didn't rock climb. I'm afraid of heights. And yeah. so I didn't know that I'd like rock climbing up until June when my friends started taking me out and we did trad climbing. We went up like Liberty bell, which is over on like highway 20 oh, yeah. and it, it's beautiful out there. And that was like that moment where I'm like, I didn't know I could like something more than, you know, um, backcountry running essentially. And, um, and doing that, like I found myself though, where I was before I got into the climbing thing, I was at a crossroads and this might be unique to me, but 
I don't know if I should go out with him. You know, I don't know if I should try this because I only have so much time to do these things. Right. And so I could see that in other scenarios where maybe even if you have a family and you're like, I don't really have much time to do things on my own or you're doing film and you're like, I've always wanted to try writing, but I got to. Yeah. I got, why spend time doing that when I can spend time doing the things I already know I like to do? Yeah, exactly. Advance those things. Yeah. And that's the, that's a hard thing that a lot of people, you just got to wrestle with and like, it's always good to experiment and always try new things. And I mean, yeah, just always like tr- at least try the try the shit once, mm-hmm. you know, and see if you like it. It's like meth, right? Yeah, no, it's exactly like that. No. <laughs> Sorry, no, it's totally fine. But I mean, yeah, it's like you just try it, see if you like it, and if you like it, great. Mm-hmm. It's find time to do more of it, and if you don't like it, don't do it again. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, but yeah, man, no, that's that's really cool. But yeah, it's hard getting into like the top top tiers of, of certain things like reaching the top of the hierarchy in like any kind of field because you've either got it like the people that are there i think like they've got special circumstances half the time where it's mm-hmm. like they were either like born into it like they they started when they were like kids like little kids they were like spending their whole like all their time just doing this thing like you know like you probably went to like high school with the kid who like was always in sports and mm-hmm. his parents always pushing him to do sports and you'd always be like at the game and you'd be on every team and on the weekends he'd be on like the rec team and like doing whatever from like a young age and it's like those are the kinds of people that i feel like typically end up in the very top tiers of whatever mm-hmm. you're doing is like people that started doing it really really young and people or people that are like just naturally gifted like freak freak uh, freak skills, you know. Mm-hmm. People are just like, holy shit, that guy's specimens, real. right? Just mm-hmm. like, how the hell is this guy so good at doing that thing? But like, that's just the one thing that they can do, mm-hmm. really yeah. Well, and uh, and with that does come caveats that we sometimes blind ourselves with in our admiration of that person, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and to reconcile with that, because you're right, there is a hierarchy, and I've thought about that. Um, when I do these things, I have my friend, like my training partner Alfred. Uh, he gets he learns jujitsu at a quicker rate than I do, but he kind of, well, only does that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's not in it. Like, that's not me. And I've, I've been trying to reconcile with that. Like not in comparison to him. It's just that I don't want to be top 10. Um, but I'm trying to figure out what fulfillment looks like to me. So how do you reconcile with that, um, in the film industry and what does, uh, at least for now, fulfillment look like to you as a, um, cinematographer right that's a good question um well i think fulfillment for me would at least be like as long as i'm making stuff that i enjoy as long as i'm happy with what i'm producing then i'll keep doing it and i will keep spending as much time as however much time i need to where that's what i'm producing is stuff that i'm that i like to watch things that i think are interesting as long as i can keep that happening i'm i'll live a happy life but like I want to avoid spending every waking hour of my life doing this, like doing film, like trying to make myself the best. Cause I think that's a kind of unrealistic. Cause then like things like family will fall by the wayside. You won't have a social life. You know, you might, you'll over specialize mm-hmm. and like ghost in the shell. It's yeah. like, if you over specialize in one thing, you breed in weakness. So it's like, if you, you, I want to avoid that. Like I want to get good. Right. But I don't want to be the very, very best because I know what that means. Mm. And it comes with, you know, bad things, you know, because like if you have too much of one, you lose, you know, every action is an opposite and equal reaction, mm-hmm. you know. So I want to get good enough to where I'm happy with what I'm producing. 
but I also want to like have everything else in my life that I value. Mm, that well. makes sense. If you because if you become too strong, you become brittle, which is fragile. Exactly. Right? And, exactly right. Um, there's a there's two things that I'd say is I talk about this a lot, but it's in archery. Um, they have this thing called it's like a shot panic, right, or trigger mm-hmm. panic. And with doing like compound, uh, when you're using a compound bow, mm-hmm. you you have to set up to where the all your pins are based off of your structure. So if oh. you're when you set up, you have to put the bow in you know your left hand, right, or if you're yeah for the normal person, I suppose. Whoops. Um, <laughs> and you have to uh, there's a sequence that you have to follow every time. And if you you don't right, then your pins are going to be off, and then you're not going to hit the target. So you have to pull it up and pull the bow up, hold your um, your do- or your non-dominant hand straight, right, and keep your shoulder packed down and clip the um, the wrist release into the string and then pull it to your um, your cheekbone mm-hmm. and then look down a little hole that's on the string, line it up with the the, the pins, check your uh, bubble to make sure that your bow is level. Um, and then make sure that your scapula, your dominant scapula is locked in, right? Cause if it's not, you're relying on, uh, your, your muscles as opposed to your skeletal structure. Mm. And with that, it's inconsistent. And then what you have to do is, um, usually you'd have like a counting sequence, like one, two, three, four, five, six. And as six hits, you're starting to pull back with your finger wrapped around the trigger and mm. it'll go off at some point you don't know right because if you um if you if you grab your hand and squeeze trying to hold the pins on the bullseye right not allowing it to flow if you force it you're gonna miss because now you have muscle tension and if you there's a thing with the shot panic why that's called a panic is is when you're focusing on getting the bullseye so much that you're avoiding all the sequences Focusing on the end result, not the process. Mm. And then when you go in to pull it, your your um, muscles will t- will tense, and then you'll miss like every time. Right. Like, so you're just relying on your skeletal structure rather than your muscles, right? Because yes. that's always going to be the same way. Exactly. I consistent. Oh, okay. And if you were to think about the bullseye or the end result the entire time, or being the best, like I'm being a cinematographer to be the best, right? right? Or I'm being a writer to be the best in the world, which is why they tell you don't be a writer, don't be a creative so that you can make all the money, right? That's that end result. Mm-hmm. You'll fuck everything else up because you're not yeah. focusing on what the real joy is, right? Like even doing a podcast where yeah. I'm just here to talk to you and I love talking to people who interest me. Uh, perhaps it'll pan out to where I'm like within the top level of a hierarchy, right? Perhaps it won't. That's not of interest to me because the reward is is in the process. Because if I fixate on that future thing, right, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't even come off as authentic. I'm not going to be uh, making progress. I'm not even doing it for joy. I'm doing it for some idealized like version of what I think this love is, right? And I'll miss right, the mark. Yeah, and, and like you can say the same thing for like yeah, doing videos. Like it's about the process, and you can't forget about the process. You can't just think about like, oh man, when we're done shooting this video, it's gonna look so cool, and you just keep idealizing how you think it's gonna look, and you forget to do certain things on set. Like you forget the process. 
yeah, you gotta you gotta focus on the process, man. And like it's the same thing for the boats. Like if you miss a certain step or you don't calibrate something exactly right, then you're never gonna hit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah, that's always I think that's really really good advice. And the interesting thing that you mentioned about you know throwing out uh, like you know family and stuff like that. If you were to hyper focus on like I'm gonna be the best and this is the only thing that's important to me, mm-hmm. right? Well, good luck psychologically. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like you, you would either meet someone who is the best, and they do throw all those things out. And I mean, like to to really get to know them, I I don't know how how awesome that like that day to day existence really is. Yeah, it's probably not awesome. Or like if you're in pursuit of that and you throw all these things out, it'd be hard to be able to cope with life in general and be happy. And my argument is is like. What we were talking about before, finding that thing that you love. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't even say that you love because everyone that I've interviewed so far who's at least you know done really well at something, reached like uh, a, a national mastery or recon- like recognized as a master at what they do, is that they just found it exciting and they just followed the excitement, right? Yeah. And that's where I think like if you're you know throwing all this shit out and your your life gets dark. And you're putting all this pressure on you. Where's the excitement? Like, where's the joy that you put into it? Exactly. Yeah. No, dude, definitely. 110%. And I, yeah, like the people that do end up at the top of these, like a lot of the times, like, like for example, like the top CEOs in the world, like Mm -hmm. these people that have like, that's like the pinnacle, right? Like there's no higher you can really go in, in anything. A lot of these people are like, they don't have families. Like they live in, like they work like a hundred hours a week Mm -hmm. and like, it's just crazy. They don't have anything else. Right. And so, yeah, it's, that's a dark life that I wouldn't want to live, but some people, you know, like some people, it works for them and like, Mm -hmm. you know, not for everybody. Yeah. It's for somebody. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it, and in that sense, that's where I take comfort because there's all of these like things that do need to be done. Not saying that, that, you know, I've interviewed someone, he worked 80 hours a week, uh, and they'd get, they would get off of work in the middle of the day. Um, and I'm not saying that that's necessary, that's necessary. However, there's all of these things that, that, you know, have to be done in some manner. Mm-hmm. And at the least the people are just trying. And that's where I think that self-reflection thing comes from is like the thing that when I get into a hard spot, as long as I'm like being honest with myself and actually like, Oh, this sounds cold as hell, but like I'm auditing my experience like yeah. going over like, uh, you know, why am I doing these things? What are my motivations for them? Um, and am I tricking myself or uh, do I do I genuinely enjoy this? Why do I enjoy it? So on and so forth. Like doing that process is so helpful because, yeah. you know, sometimes it's easy to get like stuck in autopilot. And Yeah, well, that's I think it's not a bad thing at all to audit yourself and your experiences. I encourage that because then you're always reflecting and you'll always be thinking, do I like what I'm doing right now? Yes, no, and then if it's no, adjust, and if it's yes, then keep fucking doing it. <laughs> you know, so I think yeah, I think that's great that you do that. Like if you're if you're not, then yeah, you're right. You're gonna be on autopilot, and then you're gonna wake up 30 years later, and you're gonna be like, shit, why didn't I do end up doing anything I wanted to do? <laughs> oh, I didn't take a minute to stop and think about what that was and how I'd do it. Mm-hmm. And um, what are some uh, programs that you would recommend to people who are just getting started out for yeah. the film industry? Yeah, so I would. Um, I would I just have to say the Adobe Suite. Adobe I think Suite. the Adobe like so I would go I'd get I'd like Adobe Premiere for the video editing, um, Adobe Audition for the audio editing and recording, and uh, After Effects if you have an interest in motion graphics, and um, yeah I'd, I'd start there. 
I'd start with the Adobe stuff. It's really good. I've never, it's never really failed me. Um, that's the best, best way to get into it. Um, cause it, it, it'll take anything, you know, it takes red cameras, it takes SD cards. You can, you can edit anything in, in Premiere. And what's the ideal entry level, um, equipment that you'd recommend? Equipment? Like if you were like for just wanting to shoot vi- like cool videos or like wanting to make like for like what, like a short film or something? Uh, yeah. For like a short film, essentially for someone who's just wanting to get into uh, right. building their experience. Yeah. So like ground, like ground level stuff, you would need like some kind of like prosumer camera. Like you'd need a camera that sh- shoots, I would say 4k in today's day and age. It like would need to do 4k. Um, it would need to at least what at least like 120 frames per second. Um, you'd need an audio recorder, like a Zune, like, what are they, NH4 or N4? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, H4N. Yeah, Yeah. H4N. Yeah, I'd get, like, a Zune, like, a Zoom recorder. Um, I don't know, get, get a, get a couple mics, maybe some lav mics if you're gonna do stuff that you, you need to, like, mic up, uh, like, if you're doing interviews type stuff, Mm -hmm. lav mics are great. Um, get lights. That's always overlooked. You got to get lights. Really? Yeah. You got to get lights. Um, if yeah, a well lit set, like, yeah, if you, if you see videos between, um, if you, if you look at a video that's not lit at all, like if it's just like a regular room with like regular room lighting, um, and then you watch a video where like there was a grip that lit everything up and every light in that room has a purpose, the differences are instant. You can see them immediately. And yeah, so I would say lights, um, depending on like your budget, I could tell you different brands, but Mm -hmm. I think the best thing, like the closest to like professional best bang for your buck would probably be like a draw cast light. Um, cause those, you can adjust the color temperatures so you can have like daylight or you can have like really amber lights like tungsten. Oh wow. So you can, you got the, you got the whole spectrum there. Um, so yeah, I'd say like get a good audio, get a good audio recorder, get a good microphone, get a camera, um, lights. And then for lenses, I don't know, man, it depends on what you're shooting. Like mm-hmm. if you're like wide angle, is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it totally depends. Yeah. And going into it too, for someone who's interested in film, um, mm-hmm. do you like, is there like styles in which someone would explore or... Um, like when you're using these lenses, right? Would there be someone who would only have this set of lenses because they shoot yeah. these particular scene or environments? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So like, there's like there's definitely certain lenses that fit certain styles of shooting or like mm-hmm. certain jobs even. Like you see like bird watchers out of the side of their car, they always have these gigantic telephoto lenses, right? So those lenses are let's say like lowest is like a hundred millimeter all the way up to like a, maybe like what 4,000. I, I don't really know the, oh, the yeah. big, the big lenses. I can't really speak on too much cause I don't ever, I never use them, mm-hmm. but like the lowest millimeter they'll go, let's say is like a hundred or 200. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause they, those are built for seeing things that are really, really, really far away. Mm-hmm. And then, but if you're shooting like interviews, you're never going to need that. That's way too much power. So you'd shoot something for maybe around like 85 millimeter, maybe 50, mm-hmm. maybe even 35. So it's like the difference between doing like a landscape and then, exactly. uh, yeah, close-ups. Yeah, like if you're like a National Geographic like landscape photographer, you're going to have wide angle lenses. So that's going to be down to like 11 millimeter, mm-hmm. like 14, 20. Oh, wow. Um, like fisheye, I think like when the lens starts to like curve and become like fisheye, I think that's like mm-hmm. eight. 
Oop. So it's an eight millimeter lens. What's fisheye used for genuinely? Well, fish, it's like um, the most popular thing that people associate with fisheye lenses, like skateboarding videos. Mm-hmm. Like so GoPros too. Exa- yeah, right. Because y- you don't have to, like y- you can shoot everything around you, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to really worry about pointing the camera in a perfect position, right? Because mm-hmm. you'll capture everything because the angle's so wide that, you, you know, that's and that's why it's great for skateboarding, right? It's because like, you never really know, like if you're getting really close and you're gonna like watch the guy like kick flip over whatever you're gonna be close and you don't really you can't really anticipate mm-hmm. where he's gonna go because who are you you're just a kid on a skateboard playing with your camera and you don't know what the hell you're doing so you're just gonna mm-hmm. follow him and as long as the camera's pointing his general direction you'll capture it mm, so yeah so it doesn't clip or anything like that exactly off scene. Yeah. exactly because if you used like a like an 85 millimeter like if you go up all the way to that and you're trying to shoot a skating video with that, good luck, man, because mm. he, he's always going to be out of frame. Oh, I see. Yeah. And um, for for someone who is looking to get into um, film, if you were, if they were to come to you for, like, advice on um, how to quickly learn, right? Yeah. Uh, what um, either, like, techniques uh, or resources would you recommend if you were to fast-track someone? Right. Um, if I were to fast-track someone, I would tell you – the easiest and most comprehensible resource is probably nofilmschool.com. There's it's this up it's updated by a couple of uh, I don't even know what they do, but th- there's a couple of people that write for them and they all work on different kind work in different kinds of film industries, and so they're always updating with like new lighting. There's like here's ten tips for like lighting a set with two interviews, or like here's a here's ten things to know about um, you know whatever. So it's kind of like a BuzzFeedy type of a feel, mm-hmm. but like it's really, really helpful for people that are just getting into film. So I'd say nofilmschool.com is a great resource. Um, and fast tracking, I would like I would say when when you've got your camera, shoot in as many different kinds of setting combinations as you can, and then spend an equal amount of time in post sitting in the edit bay and seeing what each type of setting actually does for the finished product. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, see what that does and like, try maybe like if you shoot in like 60 frames per second versus like 24 frames per second, slow it down and see what the difference looks like. Mm -hmm. Like see what the slow motion does. Or like, if you're going like, like a make two, two frames per second, see how different that looks in slow-mo and see how crisp it is versus shooting in 24 frames per second. Mm -hmm. So like, and like different, um, you know, try different f-stops, try different ISOs, different color balances. You know, just tr- play with your settings, and just just spend time with your camera. That's mm-hmm. the the best advice I can give you. Just spend time with your camera, learn your camera, know what settings to use for when and what settings not to use for certain situations. And then once you've kind of got a rough idea of that, you're you're on a you're on a good route there. And when you're getting into film, are you just like shooting? Um, shooting things that you think you might like, like exploring. Yeah. Yeah, at least like I would. Like I wouldn't waste my time shooting anything that I didn't care about. Okay. Because then I'd be bored and I wouldn't like I'd I'd hate myself while I was there sitting there filming it. I'd be bored out of my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh shit, now I've got to drive home. I've got to edit this footage and sit in front of it for like four hours and just I got to look at it for that much longer and I don't care about it. Like I'm not gonna waste my time doing anything I don't want to do. What was that process of figuring out what, what kind of film you like to shoot? Well, it wasn't really a process. It was kind of just like things that I already knew that I liked, right? So okay. like I like I knew I liked like skiing and snowboarding, skating and BMX 
And so those are the things that I would film then. So it's like you kind of, so you take a reverse approach where it's like, what are the things you already know that you like? And how can you turn that into a video? Mm. And so like, I'm kind of doing that in a series right now where I'm like, I'm, it's like, they're like mini docs of like my friends who are like doing interesting things. And I make like a little like three minute video on like what they're doing and like what I actually find to be interesting things. It's like, Oh, like I've got a friend who's a jewelry maker and I'm like, holy shit, that's super cool. Like she's using, like she's got blow torches and she's got like Whoa. her safety glasses on and like she's got like rings and like uh, uh, barrettes like up to a grinder and everything. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. So it's like when I'm filming that and editing it, I'm like, shit, this is really cool. Like that's super interesting. And like my friend's a tattoo artist. And so I'm like, shit, man, can I come to the shop and film you and the guys like giving tattoos and like the whole experience? Because I think that's very cool. Mm-hmm. And so I do that. And like th- that's like the kind of stuff that y- I do that I think is fun. And if like and if you're into whatever, figure out how you can turn it into a video. Like if you're into jujitsu, bring your camera to the to the gym and like see if you can. You're if some of the guys are okay with you filming them roll or like mm-hmm. if you know take it rock climbing and like get some cool shots of people climbing and like make like a little, the short like montage or whatever, like do just like turn whatever you like into film, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't think of it any other way. I think that's tight. I, um, I could relate to that in the sense that with rock climbing and specifically actually ultra running and hunting. Yeah. Um, I've been, I first got a GoPro, which no, I need something else. Yep. And I quickly realized that luckily my friend, he let me borrow it and I tried to give it back to him. And he wouldn't let me give it back to him. So I was like, <laughs> okay, um, are you sure? Yeah. And so I was taking it with me. Uh, luckily, in, in some fashion, I was taking it with me running. And I quickly realized, like, the quality of the shots on those things, they suck. Yeah, they're not great. <laughs> they, you can't. You can't. You don't get good distance off of yeah, it. Yeah, no, they're wide angle. No, no, oh, yeah. They're made for one thing, one thing only, like action sports, mm-hmm. and like. I thought action sports meant running, but that no. No, it's like no, no, no. Yeah, that like the GoPro thing is really interesting because it's like, it it's like the camera you use when you don't know anything about cameras, mm-hmm. but you know you want a good looking picture, right? Yeah. It's like I know a GoPro, like you see these cool GoPro commercials, it's like fuck, that was on a GoPro. I gotta get a GoPro. That's so awesome. And it's like, it will be if you're doing something that cool, but like if you're trying to do like anything else, it's not like an action sport or mm-hmm. something. It's like, it's gonna be really underwhelming. Yeah. And that's like, especially with the running, because I've been, um, there's some people that I follow where they do similar things. Um, It's, I'm not uh, capturing myself. I'm using myself, which which kind of makes it difficult because you're running, Mm -hmm. uh, which made me uh, have to get a gimbal. But oh yeah, so, it, so you could then you film yourself. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. the the environments, because essentially I'll do these like uh, thirty you know thirty mile runs, yeah. right? And throughout that, my whole thing was is well, why don't I try to create like a, uh, a fusion between like fiction nonfiction to where I'm you know capturing these runs and then I narrate a story on top of it. Yeah, you and, definitely can. Yeah, and that's where so I'm that's what I'm trying to figure out right yeah. now, and I've I've come to terms this season that. GoPro's not the way to go, and now I'm trying to look at uh, look at gear, basically what yeah. I could take out with me, um, and and for hunting as well because like I love doing those, you know, you go out like ten miles in, and then you have these cool backcountry hunts. Like it's not for people who who don't hunt. <sighs> I don't mean to belittle it, um, but it's like playing Skyrim in yeah. the sense that I have a quest, and it's not some crappy fetch quest that like. You do, you know, a hundred times in order to beat the game. It's like something that has inherent meaning to it, to where it's like 
it's it, it's like a ritual. Yeah, it is. And then in the process of it, like there's frustration, there's uncertainty, and then when you do accomplish it, there's some sense of like remorse, sadness, and then you actually have food and you get to bring it with people and like mm-hmm. and, and share it for like the whole year, especially if it's elk. Yeah, man. And to use that to tell like that kind of story of adventure. Like, I've found that compelling. And now that you've been talking about, like, your experience with film, it's like, hmm. <laughs> That's what you should do. So you got to, like, take what you find, like, that whole ritual of the hunt and, like, kind of think of those main points. Like, I lo- like the packing the gear, getting the stuff together, like, getting out there and then, like, setting up camp and, like, looking around and, like, get a shot of that and, like, get a shot of, like, you've got the kill. And then, like, now you're, like chopping it up and like putting stuff in the freezer and like then like you'd finish on like a shot of you guys all sitting around a table like you you get shots of like that kind of stuff like so the whole process right Mm -hmm. rather than like just strapping a gopro to your chest and like running out like and going hunting that way Mm -hmm. so you want to like turn it into a story first and then figure out how you would like how you visualize that as far as like turning each like piece into a shot Mm -hmm. right yeah that makes sense yeah and i found with uh running and I'm trying to sort it out, but like the thing that I've loved about running more is is not the mileage because I, I have to be really careful because I think I walk a line of like I can do this many miles and you know like look at this thing that's that honestly is not important to me. But coming back and being like yeah I went out and you know describing the place, describing the air, mm-hmm. uh, talking about like the bears that I saw or um, the creek that is just coming over through this pass, right? This beautiful rocky pass. And it's just winding throughout all of these rocks and then into the scree field and there's marmots, they're whistling, the fog's rolling in, like whipping up against the rocks. And then as I'm like running up and over through the pass, I drop into this valley and this valley is literally um, moss up on the top that's like crowning the valley with vines coming down and then straight rock walls and lined with waterfalls the entire way. Oh, my God. And, like, I get so much enjoyment, I would argue even sometimes more, is off of remembering that experience. And, like, even, like, when I'm writing about it, because I have the, uh, personal journals of, like, my experiences, and I'll try to rewrite the entire thing. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it more then than I do doing it. Yeah. And well, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's totally fair, too, man. Because, yeah, you, those are two things that you love. You've got, like, you doing the thing, mm-hmm. and then you writing about it, which you love maybe just as equally, right? Yeah. So that's great, man. If you can fill your life up with stuff like that, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, man, it, and that sounds like even great, like, that sounds like a great set to bring a camera to and go shoot it, too, if you want to turn it into a video, if you're interested in that. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of where I'm at now is, like, especially talking to you, getting to meet someone, because I've never really had known anyone who's, you know, taken, like, cinematography and stuff and, and as an interest and yeah. listening to like your approach with it, it's like, well, actually, it's something that's always been on the back of my mind. So, right, yeah, yeah, no, like a lot of people can do it. It's not a thing that's like inaccessible. You mm-hmm. know, you just need to know kind of what you're doing. And there's like a lot to learn with video. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different world. You know, there's there's a lot of things to learn, um, but it's not impossible, and you can do it. You know, you just need to know kind of how to do it, which yep. is, you know, a tricky thing for a lot of people to figure out, mm-hmm. me included. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, isn't that the fun thing is the it challenges? Is. Like, I always tell my son, and he gets frustrated because, I mean, he's six, and sometimes I, I take him on things that I probably shouldn't. Um, Like, we'll go on backpacking trips, and he's just like, Dad, this is this is far. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for it to be this far. And think about it. Or mm-hmm. we'll, um, he'll, like, be learning the guitar, and he's like, this is really hard. 
And I have to like, not in a non-militant way, but like in a loving and playful way. Like, well, when you play a video game, right? The most compelling thing is is like Dark Souls. I was just gonna say, it's just that's my favorite game. Yeah, man. it is. It's mine too. That yeah. and like old school Zelda, yeah. no hand holding yeah. or anything. And you gotta figure it out on your own. Yeah, and like it, once it gets easy, like I I don't like when I play Grand Theft Auto. Uh, once I get all the cheat codes and you get it to where at least the older ones. I don't know if you can do it in Grand Theft Auto Five. I don't know. But you uh, where your health doesn't go down. Right. Yeah. And it's like I would. Once I do that, at first, I would love it. I'd be like, yeah, this is awesome. I get to explore the whole thing. And then, like, you give it, like, a day or two, and then I don't want to play the game anymore. Yeah, because it's not a challenge, man. It's, yeah. you got to challenge yourself to have fun, man. That's, you know. Yeah, if, if, you, if you live your whole life with no challenges, you're not going to have a fulfilling or meaningful life at all. Mm-hmm. You know, you need that stuff. And are you working on any uh, creative projects now on your yeah. own terms and anything coming up? Or Yeah, I've actually, um, my short film Muck is screening next Saturday in Bellingham at the Bleedingham Horror Film Festival. Whoa. The, it's going to be at the uh, Limelight Theater. That's tight. Yeah, 2.30 p.m. Come check it out. Yeah, man. I'm going to have to stop by. Yeah, that, so it's going to be there. What uh, If you could just give like a little bit of a brief description of, of what it is. Like, yeah. So it's like it's kind of like a, a a heist gone wrong, and like maybe or maybe not one of the guys involved at the heist is like something like maybe he's a monster. Who knows? You'll Ooh, have to wait and go see because it is like right. a Halloween horror film festival. So you know there might be a little bit of blood, a little bit of killing. Ooh, yeah, it's fun. I like that. And is there? Um, do you have any previous works that people can check out? Um, not too many. That was like the first real like real short film that I felt like comfortable putting out and like, you know, putting my name on and like mm-hmm. submitting it off. It's like most of the other stuff I kind of keep hidden or it's like on other friends, YouTube channels, mm-hmm. but like you can check out my Vimeo. There's like a few videos up there now. Okay, cool. But, like nothing too much to write home about. Yeah, exactly. I'll be sure to get a, get that link and then I'll throw it in the show notes too. So yeah. people can check it out. Yeah. And then, yeah. And up in Bellingham, I'll have to go up there, man. That's yeah, dude. awesome. Dude. Check it out. Congrats on your first, your first film then. Yeah. Thanks dude. It was a really cool experience. <laughs> it was crazy though, man. Shooting a short film and like doing it soup to nuts. Mm-hmm. Not an easy thing, man. Not (laughs) an easy thing at all. Wow. And uh, what what motivated you to do it? Like, is this something you've been planning to do for a while? Yeah, I mean, it's always kind of been something I wanted to do. Like, not like this film specifically, but like Mm -hmm. doing a short film is something I've always wanted to do. And my friend um, Alex Bulger, he wrote he wrote it, and so it's his brainchild. It's like his idea, Mm -hmm. and I just kind of interpreted it. Mm, um, so he was really the main motivation behind like, Hey, let's actually get out and do this and shoot it. Cause like, I was kind of just like, Oh, maybe I got to work or maybe I like want to shoot just a little video here and there. Mm-hmm. Cause like doing a short film is like taking a huge bite. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like, it, it's really time consuming and there's just a lot that goes into the production. Like it, it took months. Dang. Yeah. And what's the relationship of, um, so, so within film, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what is your relationship as a cinematographer to the film to a film itself? Like, I don't really understand the directors and producers. Right. So, like, what each role is and how each role kind of impacts the final product. Yes, and then right. what your what your role is and how much direction you have over that. Right. Um, that's a good question. So, because I had the same thing before I got into film. Um, so on this project, I'll kind of use this as an example, but like for Muck, the short film that I just did, I was the director and the cinematographer, which is typically not 
done. You know, typically you'll have a director, a cinematographer, or otherwise known as DP, director of photography. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got producers, and then you've just got grips and everything else down the line. But the director, so like, let's start with there. So the director's job is to kind of visualize the story as a whole and have his vision or her vision fulfilled at the end, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're going to, they're the top. They are in charge of every creative decision in the end. And so if they don't like a way an actor is saying a certain thing, or if they don't like the way a certain shot is looking, it's their prerogative to let the people know and change that. Mm-hmm. Um, producers? Um, producers can do a couple things. Um, they can just fund the thing. They can just give you the budget um, and get a producer credit that way. Um, or producers typically are the people that schedule everything, get everyone together. They are kind of like the glue mm. that keeps the team together. They're in charge of making sure people are showing up. They're in charge of like making sure things are where they need to be when they need to be there. Makes sense why they'd be the also ones to fund it too. <laughs> exactly, right. Because, um, yeah, they're invested in it, mm-hmm. right? They want to make sure the thing happens. Um, so that's typically like what a, pr- what a producer will do. Like really generally there's, they, they go lots of different directions though. Mm-hmm. You can have different kinds of producers. Um, and then you've got the DP or the cinematographer. Um, and their main job is to just work the camera and make sure all the shots are looking nice and are looking, you know, or that are, they're, they're keeping a theme and they're in, they're together with the director's vision. Right. So like, um, like a good example. I can't really think of any two any right now, but like um yeah, the the DP is really just in charge of like the visuals. And does the director um coordinate with the DP and say like I want you to shoot a scene this way or is there a lot of creative freedom with the DP? So it, d- it depends on the project. Mm-hmm. Um sometimes they work really really closely together where it's like, "Okay, DP, I want the shot from a low angle. I'm thinking maybe this range of lenses is what we use, and I want it to look like really dark. Maybe I want things to be lit like really dimly, or I want it to have that kind of a feel. And so the DP will say, "Okay, sounds good. I'll set it up. I'll do all the technical stuff and make sure it gets to there." Mm-hmm. And then director come over, look at the screen. What do you think? Is that about what you were thinking? Yeah, perfect. That's great. That's exactly what I wanted. Or no, let me explain it again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the relationship there. Mm. Um, and then you've got the editor who edits all the film in posts, so they are typically never on set, mm-hmm. unless it's like a really small budget thing where the editor might also be the sound guy or might also be the guy running the camera. Mm-hmm. You never know. You, or, you know, the director could be the editor as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're just in charge of cutting the whole thing together and making sure that it's watchable, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, and then you've got sound guys. Um, they're great at what they do. Always make sure you have a dedicated sound person. Don't. The one thing I learned from this is don't, think that the sound person's job can just be handed off to anyone mm-hmm. like oh here you hold the boom and point it that direction <laughs> and make sure that the volume levels are hitting a certain db mm-hmm. that's not something that just like anyone can do yeah you got to make sure you get one person who knows what they're doing <laughs> and make sure that they're doing it for all the scenes it's a skill in and of itself oh yeah it's yeah it is it's a whole it's a whole profession mm-hmm. just being a sound guy man yeah yeah there's a lot in, in saying that, um, 
What is your preference? My preference, like as of now, I would say being DP. Being DP. I like being DP. That's like where I get the most uh, reward, is, like after seeing shots. Is like after, because I just love like looking at a shot and being like, damn, that looks really mm-hmm. good. Like that mm-hmm. just looks so crisp and like that just looks great. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really like to do. And I like to be on cameras. Like I love cameras. So like being able to use cameras and like play with all these lenses and like play with all different kinds of cameras and monitors and all the like bells and whistles is just super fun for me. So like if I'm around that, I'm a happy camper. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, what is the relationship to the writer and the director? Is that usually one? There's sometimes one in the same thing. They are, they can be. Yeah. Like for example, like, uh, Quentin Tarantino, Mm -hmm. I think he writes all of his own stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe he'll have like another writer come in and so it's like written by two people, Mm -hmm. but like always, Tarantino is involved in the writing. So, like, director and writer can be one and the same. Um, or you can have, like, uh, an adaptation where, like, a script is written and then a director gets a hold of it and maybe the writer and the director have never met. And so it's the director's job to just interpret the words into a film. Whoa. Like, what you'd get with, like, a book, right? Like, mm-hmm. you read a book, director gets a hold of, like, a screenplay or, like, the book and is like, okay, well... This is what I'm thinking for a movie, and I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And so then it gets done. And so that's it, the relationship can be they're the same person mm-hmm. all the way to where they've never even met. Mm-hmm. So um, it's very different. And um, what is your relationship to editing? Like- uh, the e- editing is really interesting. So sometimes, like what used to be more popular, I think in the past was that um, the editors and directors weren't as close with each other sometimes like on certain projects it was like once all the film is shot and all the production's over all the film gets sent over to the editor and the editors by themselves for like a month and they just put the film together and no one gets to say anything else oh and that's just the way it is that's um, hands off right yeah and so like that's in like you got to pick a good editor right you got to <laughs> make sure you, they've made good stuff and like that that's how a lot of films are made um but then there's also the director and the editor are just sitting together the two of them with like maybe another person like mm-hmm. just sitting in the edit bay in the dark for months drinking coffee and like alcohol as well you know cause yeah it's, <laughs> it's a hell of a process mm-hmm. yeah so sometimes it's, it's like it's super hands-on mm-hmm. for editor for directors it can be and um is editing something that you do now as part of your profession and do you enjoy that or is that a compromise you make for shooting that's a great question so it is something that i do um I edit at work as much as I shoot. Mm. So um, I am an editor, but it is not my favorite thing. Not to say that I hate it. Um, I definitely do want to steer away from doing more editing, mm-hmm. although I want to keep my tools sharp. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to edit when I, if I need to. Um, I want to know as much about it as I can, but it's not something that I want to only do. Because mm. what it is is you're sitting in a chair at a desk in the dark, Mm-hmm. at a computer for for a long time. And, like, don't get me wrong, I love mm-hmm. sitting in front of computers sometimes. Like, that can be great. But, like, it, it, it can it can take a toll, and it, you just... It, it's not very active, mm-hmm. you know, for, at least for me. I um, I can understand that. When I was going into computer sciences, I like programming. Programming's fun. Like, yeah. I, I can do it for a time. But once I realized that it's, like, 8, 12 hours, and I'm like... Mm in front of a computer five days a week yeah uh-uh. 
Yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah, it's not active enough for me. Not even like athletically. It's just like like writing. You know, there's some level where I need to go have experiences. I need to go talk with people. Um, things of that nature. Like, and I could even yeah, go into get different settings. Yeah. yeah. Instead of just like one spot all the time. Uh huh. But um, in saying that, though, it is in my experience in almost everything that you do. There's always compromises, but. Mm-hmm. Like what we were talking about before with the excitement thing, right, is is like not compromises and, ah, oh, this is just something that I'm always going to have to like deal with to this degree, but how can I be happy with this in the context? Right, and that's always the hard thing to try and figure out, but like you got to be able to do it, right? So yeah. like, I mean, and the silver lining of that is that like I always, or not always, but like I'll find videos where it's like I... Spent eight hours editing the damn thing, and it's like, you know what? It actually looks pretty good. Like, those cuts are great. Mm-hmm. It flows perfectly. Like, you don't even notice the editing when you're watching it, which is the goal of editing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that so that feels good. Mm-hmm. So, like, I get reward from it, but um, not as much as being a DP. Mm-hmm. But it being a DP makes that experience all the more worth it, too, yeah. which is just something else to, that I've assessed myself. Like, yeah. uh, whether it's uh, I'll go to a tournament, right, and I'll take my son down, he'll compete, and then I'll compete. But then there's these lulls to where I'm, like, just hanging out there. It's like, this this part kind of sucks, but it all of this was really worth it. So. Yeah, like, if I have to sit here and just, like, sit on my hands for so long, but, you know, if I get to, mm-hmm. if I have to do this so that I get to do that, mm-hmm. it's worth it. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I see editing in a similar way, but, like, I'm a pretty optimistic guy, so I try and find as much positive in, like, whatever I'm doing that I don't like. So it's, like, it's not the end of the world for mm-hmm. me. Like, I don't dislike editing, maybe well, maybe a little <laughs> bit. Um, but, you know, it's 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 nothing that I can really complain about. Yeah, exactly. Well, do you have any closing statements or anything? Then? No. Um, come see Muck next Saturday if, uh, if you can make it <laughs> up at the limelight. Um, but, yeah, no. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. Really appreciate man. it. I, I appreciate you coming on, and it's been a real help for me. And I love just meeting, you know, up and coming creatives and stuff yeah. like that too. There's, there's one thing. Um, do you have like two or three um, cinematographers that you really look up to? <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, I think number one at the top of the list would, would definitely be Roger Deakins. That guy. Oh my God! Yeah, he can, he can he can shoot a film. He did you see the Blade Runner twenty forty? Yeah. He he did that movie. What? Yeah. He oh. like every shot. It's like when if you can make every frame a painting, mm-hmm. then you've succeeded. And <laughs> goddamn, does Roger Deakins do that? Wow, that was a beautiful movie. Yeah. Man. So I mean, that's like what I strive to be is like something, some someone who can make movies that look that good. Um, but then after that, I would have to say, I don't know if. Actually, I don't know off the top of my head if the DP was the same person as the director for this movie, but whoever, what's his name, Nicholas Winning Refn, whoever, the guy who directed Drive, um, I'm going to see if I can look him up real quick. Uh, um, let's see. Well, whoever he gets DPing for his movies is top of my list for me. Too. Really? Yeah. I was trying to find this one guy that I used to follow on um, 
YouTube, and he did really cool films. He did more action, like action shots and stuff like that. He'd do it for yeah. like Mountain Dew, Red Bull. Uh, okay. And I, I can't remember what his name was, but I watched him. He would come up from like literally just starting, and then he was doing like yeah, just nuts action shots. He was dating like Lindsey Sterling. I think for a while, but yeah, I can't remember his name. I'll put it in the show notes though. Yeah, but, that'd yeah. be really interesting. Yeah, thank you very much, man, for coming. I appreciate yeah, dude, it. Yeah, it was man. a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Right. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to check out the film that Thomas worked on, Muck, you can find the link in the show notes. You can also find Thomas on Instagram at Thomas underscore online. Man, I love getting to meet people who on the process of pursuing mastery at something. When I meet people who are so driven and excited about work, work that is meaningful to them, whatever that is, it inspires me to do the same. And I love just getting to meet a variety of people like this. And I think I'm gonna start working on a little more film It'll be fun. All right, you guys. Well, if you guys want to support the podcast, head over to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you happen to listen to it. Hit the subscribe button and share it on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, it's Becoming Human Podcast. Hope you guys are enjoying the holidays. Never slow down and you never go oh, There's a great big world just waiting to be whole But you're still lying around And the days fly by like a cloudy sky And you're glued to the TV, never blinking an eye And the world will keep changing time, passing you by But you're just waiting to die So won't you come outside There's a beautiful world just waiting for you Sometimes, but you gotta decide Are you really alive? Or are you just waiting to die? Just waiting to die Once, well then I told you twice You never win a gun battle if you're bringing a knife And the truth that doesn't hurt if you spelled out right But it's just too easy to give up the fact to just place the blame Scream the name upon the crooked finger It's all the same It's just a dirty little game that we keep playing Full of dirty little lies and a dirty little brains And it's hard to maintain when we're locked away Time to open up the door and come out to play Because the sun's in the sky and it's a beautiful day the world is wide open, hey, what do you say now? Won't you come outside? There's a beautiful world and it's waiting for you And I know it might seem like it's all just a waste of time Sometimes, but you gotta decide 
Are you really alive? Are you just waiting to die? Won't you come outside? There's a beautiful world and it's waiting for you. And I know it might seem like it's all just a waste of time. Sometimes but you gotta decide. Are you really alive? Or are you just waiting to die? Just waiting to die. Yeah. 